You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. podcast and elite sports ny production recording live on march 27th at seven o'clock at night everyone indoors as they should be and we are as well um always got my guy chip murphy rolling with me and doing the pod and we have an awesome guest a friend of the pod someone we've had on before colin loring colin how you doing man fantastic man just trying to get some of that fresh air while we still can yeah, how is uh how are you structuring your days? I'm I'm pretty much leaving my apartment maybe twice a day. Uh, I mean, I have to do a lot of online work. I'm I'm imagining you guys have the same setup for the most part, but uh, I'm pretty much just leaving my apartment twice a day, a couple walks here and there, and and that's it. How are you guys doing it? Good. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually cut out showering, so that's actually giving me more time to be productive. You know, in the outdoors realm. Nice. I put it this way, the best way to sum it up, I went to the liquor store and I didn't get two bottles of wine. I just got one because I wanted to make sure I had a reason to leave the house today. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Planning, uh, you got your priorities straight, planning for the future. Those are all vital skills that we need. Um, I am, uh, this is definitely an alcohol infused podcast uh, for me and that's just for my sanity, not for, (laughs) for anybody else. Um, but Chip, how you hanging in, man? How is, how is lockdown and quarantine life treating you? Uh, it's, uh, it's fine. I mean, I mean, not fine. It sucks, but a lot of work online, you know, working at a school, you have to communicate with the students online and everything. So that sucks. And now they're trying to install like Microsoft zoom so you can communicate virtually with the students, and I know that's going to be a complete shit show because it's fifth and sixth graders, and they're going to try and get them to go all online at one time, and it's just going to be madness. Like, there's no way you're going to get 12 fifth and sixth graders online all at once. Like, it's going to be a disaster. So I'm not looking forward to whenever that happens. But other than that, I'm getting a lot of Netflix watching done we were just talking about the tiger king documentary like uh, five minutes ago so that was cool i watched that that is uh that's high on my list of things i need to check out ozark season three just came out uh i'll definitely be be looking at that um but uh, i'm very excited to do this episode for for several reasons so I, i was struggling with ideas for the next pod after Last week's episode, Chip and I, you know, we had Matt Brooks come on. He was gracious enough to share some time and do some net stuff with us, some quarantine life stuff with us. Um, But uh, we have a very cool episode that is centered around hot takes and hills that we're willing to die on. Um, And we literally could not have brought on a better guest to (laughs) do this episode than Colin. And uh, Colin and Chip together is just instant comedy anyway. Um, so I'm very excited to hear the two things, the, the hot takes and hills that you guys are willing to die on. Um, I certainly have mine as well. But I figure, you know, let, let Chip and I be gracious hosts. Let's let the guests go first. I kind of structured yes. mine in terms of like the mildest, you know, uh, and then kind of going up from there. So we'll start off with Colin then We'll go with Chip, and then I'll, I'll I'll finish us off for the first round, and we'll kind of just see how it goes. So, Mr. Loring, you have the floor. 
Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it's funny, this one just came to me about 15 minutes before the show. Um, not a, not an incredibly hot take, I think we're similar in that, that I want to save the best for last, obviously, but I want to be on record as saying that the, the NBA simulating games through 2K is just incredibly stupid and unnecessary. <laughs> wow, I had no idea that you would start us off like that and, and going uh, someplace like that, but I'm here for it, I'm here for it, please, please explain. <laughs> I mean, it has just no pertinence to today's NBA. 11 times out of 10, it's not even factually correct. <laughs> it's annoying to me to see, like, the team Twitter accounts tweet out the score at, like, halftime. It's just a tease, man. I think it's disrespectful at, at its core. What do you it's think, stupid. Too? It's very stupid. It's very st- I like the posting and toasting guy. The posting and toasting guys are playing each other, though. I thought that was really cool to yeah, look at, but... Yeah, but when teams, like when official NBA employees are doing it, that's fucking lame. Like, no one wants to see that. <laughs> I would agree. I would, uh, I don't think that's super, super hot, but I think it's, it might be a necessary take, which is always welcome during these times. I haven't seen anyone talking about it, and, you know, I just, it's annoying, if nothing else. I got you. Chip, what about you? <laughs> My first one is also, I'm going to start off with a mild one, and, Oh, maybe some people think it's uh, kind of hot. I think it's pretty mild. Uh, I was listening to Adam Morrison on JJ Reddick's podcast, and it was a while, like a couple years ago, maybe even longer. But you never hear him talk publicly. Like it was the first time I heard him in years. And uh, he brought up something. He was talking about how Larry Brown didn't really like him and buried him on the end of the bench. And I started thinking how he was maybe one of the greatest college basketball players I ever saw. Like, he was amazing. So I got to looking at his draft, and I was like, I, I feel like it's so much about the fit with players, where they get And that organization was so poorly run, and Larry Brown really did bury him at the end of the match. And I feel like if he had been drafted by another team, his career would have turned out completely different. Like, if you look, he... He played him great his rookie year. Like he at eleven point eight points, two point nine rebounds, two point assists, thirty eight percent from the field, thirty four, thirty three percent from three. But then he tore his ACL his second year, and then his third year, Larry Brown buried him at the end of the bench, and they trade into the Lakers, and he never really got in the rotation again because the Lakers were a championship team. And then he got cut by the Lakers and never played. So. I just feel like I look back at that 06 draft and he got picked third. Like if he had gone lower, say he had gone to like a team that, I don't know, like a couple of picks later, the Hawks took Sheldon Williams. Say he'd gone to the Hawks, Mike Woodson was the coach. Mm. Mike Woodson would have been a good coach for him, I think. Yeah. And even like the next pick, Tyrus Thomas went to the uh, Troublers and they flipped him for Roy. But if he had gone there, Nate McMillan's a good coach. I'm just saying, like if he had gone to another team it's just a I feel like Morrison could have had a good career just based on he was so fucking good in college like he was a machine in college like I don't know I just feel like looking back on it like God. and he he didn't even like end his career early due to injuries he was just done like quickly too he gave up I was that good in college he gave up quick and when he was just like I'm out it was surprising looking back on yeah, I think I think that's a good take. I mean, like, um, I mean, at least from what I've heard about Larry Brown, you can't take away the fact that he has a championship with the Detroit Pistons, a lifer in terms of basketball. Like, he certainly knows the game. But I think there's been enough that's come out about him, you know, in terms of players that he's coached that he wasn't necessarily like a player's coach. Not that you have to be. I think that that... I think that gets overrun in today's NBA that you have to be friendly or a friend like adjacent to the players. I don't think that's necessary, not even like professional in some sense. But um, I think, you know, it could have been that Larry Brown, maybe maybe Morrison needed somebody who was going to be, you know, maybe a little more understanding, a little more nurturing. Like, and I, And the only reason I say that is I'm assuming that his personality, based on what I've seen from him in TV, is like he's a little bit more low-key. Um, a little yeah. bit more of a quiet, quiet guy. guy. Yeah. Guy. You know, I don't know where he grew up, but maybe just the idea of being a professional athlete, like, 
even on more of a grand stage than the one he was on at Gonzaga, I don't know how comfortable he was with that um, or just being uh, a celebrity. Um, you know, it could be that that was something that, you know, just really messed with him. I don't know. But I, I think that that, yeah, I, I would roll with that too, for sure. I'm just going to move us a little bit over here. For some reason, my connection is not that no. great. No. You guys can hear me though, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've been, you've been crystal clear. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm a little bit closer to the router now. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off our first round here with uh, with my hot take. I don't think it's super hot, but I mean, I guess if there's anyone that watches a lot of Atlanta Hawks basketball, maybe they'll push back on me with this. But um, I was a big believer in this guy coming out of college. Uh, I liked him coming out of the draft, but I feel very strongly that Kevin Herter eventually is going to be the second most important player on the Atlanta Hawks besides Trey Young. Um, and I know Chip is smiling at me right now. He's like, John Collins is a damn good basketball player, Jeff. How are you going to disrespect John Collins like that? But hear me out. So uh, a career 38% three-point shooter. Um, he's not just a standstill shooter. I think shooting off the dribble is is an incredible um, luxury or, or necessity in today's game. Uh, I think that the, the thing that gets a little bit uh, underrated with him is actually his playmaking ability. So when Trey Young had had some injuries this year, he had a game where he had 11 assists. Um, back in, I forget whether it was January or not, he actually had like a stretch of four games where he had seven or more assists in those games. He's got one of the bigger differentials, granted on a bad team, in terms of net rating when it comes to when he's on the court versus when he's off the court. John Collins is also up there as well. Um, no surprise. But I just think that, you know, this guy had some injuries in the beginning of his second season. All of his numbers are still up. I think that Herter, I just, I, I see some sneaky Chris Middleton-like, you know, uh, future projections for him. Um, I, I, I like the guy a lot and he's I've been reading up a lot on him. They talk about his leadership and I think he's, I think he's going to get there eventually, but we, we will see. Chip, I know you want to bite on it. Go ahead. Go. No, I, I just, I haven't seen like enough of, I haven't seen as much as, uh, Jeff has of, uh, Atlanta, but I haven't seen enough good I haven't certainly haven't seen enough good from Kevin Herter to uh believe that. Uh I'm a big John Collins fan. I think they're using him incorrectly in Atlanta. Like uh and I think his future may not be there because of it. I think that putting him in spot up situations in the corners is a mistake. I think he's a rim runner and I think adding Capella means that he should go elsewhere, but that's beside the point. Uh I don't know. I think second most important player on the team, I think right now, that's Capella. Maybe down, maybe in like two or three years. I don't know. But geez, I, if Kevin Herter is the second most important player on the Hawks, Trey Young's going to be fucking pissed off. I think <laughs> <laughs> that might that might be the that might be the biggest that might be the biggest thing that that could be true. I'm very happy that Jeff actually took this take. Uh, <laughs> I've watched, so again, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, just for reference for anybody listening, but I've watched so much Kevin Herter tape. It's ridiculous. He is one of my favorite guys. I wrote an article that said he was going to be the next Clay Thompson. Goo! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! But, that's a nice throwback. I did write that. Uh, I think... I don't think Jeff's wrong. I think in terms, especially with with Capella's arrival, you have to wonder what that looks like for John Collins either. And I'm actually in the middle of writing something on John Collins right now about his free agency. Uh, you have to wonder if they let him go or if they bring him back. You know, how, how important is he to a team that's got so many shooters and one huge rim runner like Clint Capella? It's just, I don't know if he'll actually be able to like crack the, not the rotation, but his shot selection is going to go down, like his shot attempts and things like that. Like, I don't know. I see his role diminishing next season. 
provided they keep the same roster they've got now and they bring him back. With Capella and Reddish and Hunter and Herter, who I think should be starting. Um, I, I like it. No, Herter's awesome. He's a really good ball player. We'll see. I mean, I, that's the part I didn't think about. Um, I guess by addition, bringing Clint Capella on there, and he's still a young guy. I mean, I think he's, what, 25? And then, um, you know, Collins, uh, I guess, you know, I, I think, and I would agree with Chip, would probably be better utilized as the five, as the rim runner. But if he's not getting that and you want him in spot-up situations, yeah, it could be that, that he leaves and then makes my point maybe even a little stronger, but not necessarily because of something that's like, you know, development of Kevin Herter just by like losing, you know, one of the higher um, guys that they drafted and, and he's just being used in a different way. Um but let's 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 move on here to to the next round and let's let's go in reverse order. So I'm going to start us off here with mine, and then we'll go to Chip, finish off with Colin. So um, this is one that actually pains me to say because I love this franchise and I actually really really like this coach. But uh, when we get back from the hiatus, whatever kind of shortened season they're going to run, I don't know what's going to happen. But this is my take. If the Utah Jazz do not make it out of the first round of the playoffs, Quinn Snyder is out as head coach. And so this is this is That's got a sting to it. Yeah, yeah. It has a big sting to it. So uh, this is my rationale for it. Uh, the Utah Jazz and I think general manager of the president, Dennis Lindsay, uh, you know, they are a very smart and measured franchise. Um they draft guys, they, you know, develop guys, <clears throat> they, they have stability. It's one of the reasons why they've been successful, you know, in a very tough Western conference for a long time. Snyder has been there for six years. He got an extension back in 2016 and his extension runs out after the 2020-21 season. All, in the offseason, I remember, and I think all three of us can uh, agree, they had a pretty damn good offseason. They traded for Connolly. They brought on Bogdanovich. Um, I think everyone was kind of like, whoa, this team is going to take the next step. Now, you cannot hold the NBA hiatus against Snyder at, at all. Uh, the, the, the Jazz's record is very good. I think 43-21, and 21, fourth in the Western Conference. Like... I'm not going to sit here and say he's done a bad job, but I think if you go back to, and I'm not saying the Jazz operate under this logic, but uh, we've talked, Chip and I have talked on this pod a lot about Larry Bird's um, philosophy when it comes to coaching. Like you got three years and then they're tired of your voice. You need somebody else in there. Um, he's been there six years. And my thing is this, I think if management Took a took you know enough of a risk to try and trade for Connolly you know with his big contract. I think they might say to themselves, "Listen, we've tried to tinker with this roster and certainly give Mitchell and Gobert the help that they need." And if they feel like, and especially if they don't get out of the first round, if they don't get out of the first round with with this version of the Utah Jazz, I would think that they would have to look at well, what else do we need to do here? So that's kind of how I see that one. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. And nobody, nobody could have accounted for the fact that Conley was going to turn into half of himself, right. you know, when he was there. But uh, I think, and I'm going to bring this up in my next or one of my next points. But you know, they they're a team that really went after it this off season, and we didn't see a lot of that. But they went all in, I think, on this season. Uh, and I. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Snyder gone. My only argument would be with one year left on his contract, but also that that may also just enforce the point that they're going to let him go anyways. Uh, I think they've maximized where they're at, and now they've got to find a way. I don't think Conley's the answer. I think they got to get rid of him. Uh, I like the rest of the team, but I was one of those guys, like you said, like you know they got Conley, they got uh, Bogdanovich, or what? I can't. I always get him mixed up with the guy in Sacramento, but uh, they signed my boy Emmanuel Moutier, so I, you know. <laughs> Obviously, they, yeah, were they really went for it on that one. Contenders. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you know, in my opinion, Moody should just be starting over Conley, but that's beside the point. Uh, no, I agree. If, if they don't get past the first round, he's going to have a hard time talking to anybody into keeping him around. 
Wow, really? I think so, Chad. Like, I think so. I agree. You got he's, uh, Rudy Gobert. No excuses. Does this have anything to do with the Gobert and Don Mitchell thing? No, I mean not in terms of in terms of my thinking. No, not at all. I mean, I I, I just think that like I don't know. I I just think that the 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 small market team. It's always going to be difficult for them to complete compete with the LA's and the Houston's of the world. Then but. why fire when you have a great coach? Why fire him? Then he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. You're he gets the most out of his guys. I just think that I, I I think that if you tinker with the roster enough, you're gonna come to a point where you're gonna say, what else can we do? Like, what can we do to actually maximize? And like, listen, like, and I know this is not a great comparison. I'm not saying Dwayne Casey is um, Quinn Snyder at all, but I mean, the guy brought the Toronto Raptors to a whole bunch of Eastern Conference Finals and. They decided to move. He, he was coach of the year, and they moved away from him. Like it does right, happen. But that's the the Toronto Raptors are the Toronto Raptors are a big market team. I mean, they they were able to get theoretically. They didn't want to, but theoretically, they would have been able to get whatever coach they wanted. You would think, right? Maybe. maybe. You, no one's gonna no one's gonna want to go coach in Utah. I don't know. I mean, I think that I he just. He hasn't gotten a lot of talk this season, and I've admittedly just kind of dismissed him myself. But Donovan Mitchell is a very special player, and I think guys I are going to coach him. Still, but God, wow, I would never buy Quinn Snyder if I were the Jets. I mean, There's no listen, way. I, I, not, after, not after one, not after one season. Who could have accounted that Mike Conley would be this bad? No, is I it, agree. Is it Quinn Snyder's fault that Mike Conley took such a huge drop off? Not I don't at think all. So. Not at all. Not his fault at all. But but I guess what I would say is this: like, and in terms of who would want to coach in Utah, so think about it this way, right? Like, the Knicks' job continues to be whatever, at least somewhat attractive in some sense because it's New York, and whoever turns the Knicks around, you know, is going to be a god, right? But there's so much instability that it gives people pause because there's Dolan and there's a revolving door at whatever front office position it's the exact opposite in utah if you're a coach wanting stability and wanting a front office and an owner to give you time this is where you go or 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 maybe this is like even a perfect place where like let's say brad stevens was the new hot brad stevens that's coming out of college right now and you want him to two years after two years ago Cusider was the the hottest coach in the league along with Brad Stevens and then they fired him. So our team's still looking at them like that after they do that. I mean, it's a good point. i tell you what, Utah Jazz, best coaching availability this offseason if Quinn Snyder's let go provided they give Emmanuel Moutier an extension. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's going to get that kid right. Hey, Fisdale? Fisdale for the next coach, the Utah Jazz? I don't know. It's so, it's so funny. Like, we actually joked about uh, – oh, I know you I, did, I know you joked about Moutier starting over Connolly, but, like, I've been through enough Jazz uh, Twitter to see that, like, that wasn't that crazy of an idea. Like, people have yeah, talked they about were that. Off, yeah, they were off Connolly, Jazz fans, by the end there. Chip, hit us up with uh, your next hot take. Yeah, again, I guess maybe not like a, a crazy one, but uh, I think uh, Portland should uh, trade C.J. McCollum Oof. this uh, summer. I think it's time to uh, blow, blow it up, I so, guess you say. Can I just interrupt already? <laughs> You're faulting Jeff for suggesting that the Jazz would let go of Quinn Snyder because they have something good. In a tough Western Conference, when you're saying the exact yeah. same thing here, saying they should trade CJ, the Trailblazers have something that worked. You can't fault CJ McCollum for Yusuf getting hurt or Zach Collins getting hurt. They have something that works, and they should stick with it. Tell them. Still, I want to hear your rationale, please. No, no, no. I just, I was just about to give you my rationale before you cut me off. That my rationale is, I think they topped off after the uh, Western Conference Finals last year. And I think that they can cash out with CJ now and 
get some assets. I think that you have no idea what Nurkic is going to look like when he comes back from injury. And they're putting their, they're putting a lot of faith in that. They're putting a lot of faith in Zach Collins. Who, I don't know what the fuck we think Zach Collins is going to be so good. We what we, have we seen from Zach Collins that he's used as this excuse for why they didn't play well this year? They didn't play well this year, and I know Dame was hurt too for a period of time. But even when Dame was healthy, they weren't playing very well, and they still can't stop anybody. And look, I. I think, look, my main reasoning is I think they topped off when uh, they uh, made the Western Conference Finals last year. And I think it's kind of a DeMar and Kyle Lowry situation. I wouldn't just give him away, obviously. I would try – I would do it for, a, like, a perfect trade, like the Raptors thing. Yeah, they should trade like the Raptors for Kawhi Leonard. I cannot agree yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, like – so obviously, eventually the wizards are eventually the wizards are gonna fold. Eventually, if if Brad Beal comes out and he's like, I, I want out, you you wouldn't do CJ McCollum for Brad Beal. I don't think the wizards would do that. But I would say this though, I I'll, I'll say this. I think that the the point is well taken in terms of being topped out. But I would do what you said there. The, the thing that stuck to me most is they can't stop anybody. So if I'm going to trade C.J. McCollum, it's going to be hopefully for a, a legitimate defensive stopper in the paint or a guard who can actually keep somebody in front of him. Um, that would be, I guess, if, if I'm going to make that type of a seismic move in terms of an organization, that's probably the, the route I'm going to go. But listen... Talk of CJ splitting up the quote unquote mama's boys. Um, it's been it's it's been floated. It's been floated. So I think I think it, it's not. It's definitely not impossible. And um, you know, I I mean, we I think we could see that. I don't think I don't think that's out of the realm at all. All right, we ready for the next one? Oh God, I'm ready. If you started us off with that look, I'm 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 ready for this one. All right. <clears throat> I've been thinking about this for some time. Good God. I'm ready to put it on the airwaves. Next year, John Wall will return to the NBA, and he will be an all-star. Oh, God. In the Eastern Conference. <laughs> um, wow. I'm saving wow. that just for you guys. Now, I have to ask, are you a John Wall fan? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty biased. So I wouldn't okay. say I'm a fan, but I'm I'm reasonably invested. How about okay. that? Okay. I'll put play one of the best moments of my life as far as sports goes. John Wall once dunked the heart the ball so hard in Verizon Center that I could taste it in my mouth. Wow. <laughs> the dude is an athletic freak of nature. He's had an Achilles injury. He's gonna come back. It's twenty twenty, sports medicine is off the charts. And I have to remind anybody listening because people don't talk about this. He won't even be 30 by the start of next season. He's 29, and he's a pass-first point guard. He's going to be fine. He's going to be an all-star. I mean – He's a pass-first point yeah, guard? Yeah, that's, really? that's a little tough, Colin. I don't, I don't know if I would say pass-first, but, you know. It's going to be. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Like, just from a viewership point of view, I would love – for John Wall to come back and be uh, an absolute speed demon on the court like he's been uh, just torching. I will I will say this. That playoff series where Whitman was the coach and they kind of like exceeded expectations with some injuries. I had fun watching that team even though like I think they kind of played a little slow and like it was a little weird here and there. But I mean at his best John Wall is is you know all NBA talent. But I mean, I don't know, I man. All some appearances before he got injured. Five straight. Yeah, I mean, Chip, what do you think about that? I mean, crazier things have happened than a guy as talented as John Wall bouncing back form and making an all-star appearance. And it's not like he's going to have an incredible competition in the Eastern Conference, right? But I mean, I'm trying to. I mean, well, I guess point guards. Kyrie, if Kyrie's, well, Kyrie, 
who knows, Kyrie breaks his ankle getting off the bus. Who knows about that? But he has Kyrie, theoretically. Kemba yeah. Walker, too. Um, yeah, I, like I said, guy that talented, who knows? I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out that he has a huge year next year just because he's he's been so good throughout his career. And Colin said, the, the, the age is still on his side. So right. He still has that. Going for 33, I'd say it's unlikely, but because he's not, I I wouldn't bet against him for sure. Okay, Chip, what about yours? This is our our third round hot take hill we want to die on. Our third round hot take hill I want to die on. This is a little bit, uh, I guess, hotter, but I still I think a lot of people would agree with me on this one. Uh, I think Kyle Lowry, I'm a huge Kyle Lowry fan, so I am biased. I think Kyle Lowry is a Hall of Famer. That's an interesting one. I um, yeah. So I also really like Kyle Lowry. I think, okay, so here's my thing. And I hate to, like, this, this argument. Wait, first off, I just completely just steamrolled you there. Like, get, hit, hit us with your rationale. Well, it, it like starts off. That's, that's the best part. <laughs> no one knows why he's a host. He doesn't get to talk. Everybody talks over. Him. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Uh, I was gonna start here. Uh, six-time All Star, uh, and he's obviously he's one. He's not one of. He is the greatest player in Toronto Raptors franchise history. Yes. Uh, he. If you're a rings guy, he obviously just won a ring. Um, he was. What? I think he said Kawhi Leonard won the ring. Kawhi like Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi. Yeah, Kyle Lowry had nothing to do with that ring. You're right. He was he was phenomenal in the playoffs. Come on, greatest player in Raptors history. Oh, that's what he did. He said oh, he yeah. said Kawhi Leonard's Wait, the greatest. Wait, you're saying you're saying Kyle Lowry isn't the greatest player in Raptors history? I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my! It's Kawhi Leonard. I don't want to hear any other argument. He played one fucking season there. And what did they do? <laughs> yeah, they won. But Kyle Lowry, by the time Kyle Lowry's done, he's going to have been a better player than Kawhi Leonard at any point in their career. Has Chris, uh, Chris Bosh had better seasons? And Vince Carter had better seasons than, Kyle, than Kawhi Leonard has had? No. That's a hot take. <laughs> In his career, we're losing Chip. Yeah, Chip. Or are you just talking about the season he had with the Raptors? Hold up, uh, the the uh, the connection there is a little little rough. What was the last thing you said about BC? Oh, I was I was saying, uh, did Vince Carter? Uh, never have a season in his whole career better than one that Kawhi Leonard had, or are you just talking about you know what I'm uh, sort of like averaging it out? Like Kawhi Leonard as a player in the NBA for his entire career, we all know his first season was like really slow start, but beyond that, like Kawhi at his prime, Vince Carter at his oh, prime, you're talking at his prime. Okay, you you're talking about player. who's the better. You're talking about who's the best player. Okay, yeah. Why? I thought you were saying Vince Carter has never had a season as good as Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kawhi's the best out of the three of them. Yeah. Kawhi's the best out of Vince and Chris Bosh. But yeah. Yeah. But right, just because he is the best player, which I agree with, he is the, Kyle Lowry is a Hall of Famer. I uh, I think I would lean. I think I would lean towards that too. But like, my argument is pretty much like completely just stealing Zach Lowe's words. Like anytime I've heard Lowe talk about Kyle Lowry, it's always about the intangibles, you know, like the little stuff he does that doesn't show up on the box score, positioning, um, screening, fighting over screens, just really being a smart basketball player in terms of court awareness. Like there's literally probably, he's brilliant. He's, he is amazing. And there's probably less than five people you could count on one hand that do the things that he does on a nightly basis. And to me, like that's why he's hall of fame. It's not because of the numbers and stuff like that. I mean, like that guy is Toronto basketball. 
And um, I, I, I want him to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, if I had a vote, I would vote for him because I feel like that's the way it should be. You know, like people like that. Now, they have to be great, too. I mean, they have to have all-star numbers. It would be nice if they have win, uh, you know, rings. But people like that should be rewarded, I think, with getting into the Hall of Fame because, like, you need a guy like Kyle Lowry on, like, almost every championship team. Um, I agree. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll finish off our third round here. This this is a hot take. This is definitely a hot take. Um, it's it's it's. Give me some time to explain it. But I was looking at these guys, and and um, I, I had to go a little crazy with this one. I'm gonna acknowledge that this one is a little wild. But in two years, the Cleveland Cavaliers will have one of the best backcourts in the Eastern Conference. Yes. Who were they trading Colin Sexton for? No. So so here's the thing. Here, so hear me out. Um, I, I've, I've done a lot of overview on the good and bad of Colin Sexton. So I, I know all of the, the um, criticisms. He absolutely turns the ball over. He can have tunnel vision in the lane. He's had players that have been pissed with the way he's played. Um, but listen, for a guy that coming out, and I, I studied – Sexton so much coming out of the draft because the Knicks were um, rumored to be very interested in him. And I was not high on him. This guy has been way better offensively than I ever thought he would be. Um, His numbers from three are very impressive. He's pretty efficient um, scorer. And, you know, I'd say this, the, the thing that let me down about him was coming out of college, his his uh, calling card was defense, and if anything, at the NBA, I'd say that that's been a little underwhelming, if anything. But at the end of the uh, at the end of the day, I keep saying that the kid's 21 years old and he's scoring 20 points a game. Granted, it's on the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah. but I think if you forecast the next two to three years of Sexton's career, um, I think there could be some pretty solid stuff going on here. Now, this whole hot take is completely, completely centered around Darius Garland. So Garland is, um, at some point in January, he was averaging 16.3 points per game, 47% from the field, 36% from the arc. He was the only NBA rookie with at least 400 points, 100 assists, and 70 triples while shooting at least 80% from the foul line. Like, Garland, Garland has the ability to be an elite, shooter in terms of off the dribble, um, standstill. I think this guy is just scratching the surface of what he can be. Now, he came out of college with injury issues, so that's that's going to be a big thing for him as well. But I think quietly, and, and the Cavs don't have a lot of stability, but I think quietly they're building something there. Um, I didn't love the trade for Drummond, but Drummond helps um, shooting, you know, in terms of the gravity that he can provide as a runner. Um, but I, you know, I, I really think that these two, if they keep them together, I'm not going to say, you know, I, I listen, I, I think they could be really, really good. Sexton is the one who I think will have to be off the ball more. And I think Garland would have to assume most of the primary, um, ball handling duties, but I'm very, very interested to see where these guys are going to be. What do you think about that? If they can, I want to see who the next coach is. Are they sticking with bigger staff? Uh, he got a long-term deal, Chip, right? Or no? Yeah. 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 And I don't know a lot about bigger staff. Was he in Memphis at one point? Yes, he right? He was – right, Chip? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, he was an interim in Memphis and Houston. Yes. Okay. Uh, He's the interim guy. I don't know. I mean, I tell you what. I like this for bigger staff. This is a good prove-it moment. But they're going to have to figure out how to get – Sexton to play off the ball because Garland absolutely needs to be on the ball. That kid is really special. Yeah, I, I've been coming around on Sexton. Uh, obviously, I've watched every Wizards game this year, and he actually scored his career high uh, against Washington. I'm pretty sure. I think he had a 40 ball, if I'm not mistaken, or a 39 piece. Either way, but I mean, the kid can score on all three levels. But it's it's going to be more about Colin Sexton than it's going to be about Darius Garland because he's going to have to make the necessary adjustments to play next to a guy who's obviously better than him. Chip, what do you think? Uh, I think that 
like <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about Grace Garland when he was coming into the league. So I so I was really weary about uh, the Knicks drafting guy who played the three games in college. Right. So I was really concerned about that. That's what I remember about him. And then when I was watching him and when I was watching Colin Sexton, all I could think of is I, I can't believe that they're turning over the team to these guys and just letting the kids take a bunch of shots. And then I remember thinking like, oh, shit, I wish the Knicks would let the kids take a bunch of shots because they're actually making a good decision here. This is smart. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because they're letting their they're letting these guys make mistakes. You know, you mentioned Kalsas and taking a bunch of shots. He's missing a bunch of shots, but at least he's taking them. True. You know, at least it's better for the Cavs long term that Kevin Love isn't leading the team in shots because he's whining like a little baby in the corner instead. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm a big believer in Colin Sexton. I really, I really like the way he plays. I liked him in college, too. Uh, I think he can be good. Uh, I don't know. Darius Carlin's a wild card, man. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. There, there was so good. Man. He's got a quick trigger. Yeah, you think? I I don't know. It's uh, When you have two two guys who are so young in the same backcourt, I think it's going to be difficult. But uh, they're, they're an interesting team. They're going to be an interesting watch next year because uh, all their hopes are in those two young guys in the backcourt. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. No, I uh... – I, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm, I mean, listen, I think um, there's definitely potential there, and I think what you said is is spot on. I mean, at least the Cavs are giving them a chance, right? I mean, to work to work through their mistakes. I think that's the biggest piece. Um, okay, I was thinking, you guys let me know how, how much further you want to go, but I was thinking this would be our last round here. Are you guys good with that, or you guys have more that you want to go into? All right, okay, I'll go to my house. So how about this? I'm I'm gonna start us off. Um, either Chip or Colin, you will finish us. But I'm very clear. I don't want to mince words when I say this. I want I want all the smoke on this hot take right here. So whatever you need to do, whatever you need to say to me, get it off your chest. This is it. Alonzo Trier is the player with the most potential on the New York Knicks, not named Mitchell Robinson. Mike drop. Mike drop. So I will explain myself. Uh, Alonzo Trier has been an efficient scorer at every level he has played. In Arizona and with the Knicks in his first season, um, this season is a wash. I would not hold on to any statistical evidence from this season at all. He's not played. Um, I can be honest about the guy. Listen, do I like him a lot? Yes. Does he not play defense? Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge issue with his game. But I'm sorry, but the whole defense thing with Trier, I I could point to a litany of starting point guards or two guards in the NBA that don't play a lick of defense that have been paid very handsomely in this league for a long time to do what they do. Um... I could go through the myriad of, of video things that I've done on Trier. This guy, to call him just a bucket getter, I think is an insult. The guy, his his ability to make off-balance shots, off the dribble, stand still. Um, he is actually a good shooter, and he can get to the rim. He can finish through contact for his body type. I mean, I think he's 6'5". He's not a heavy dude. He has pretty great explosion. He's not a super athlete, but he is extremely, extremely talented. And I get that putting him in a lineup, um, you know, with with a team, you know, especially in the backcourt, given his defensive liabilities, it's going to be tough. But man, I just can't shake the feeling that this guy is going to make it somewhere else and we're going to look stupid. Um but there's no question he has areas of his game that he needs to work on. But when I'm just talking about talent, when I'm talking about passing, shooting, um, and and scoring, beating people off the dribble, I just there's there's not a lot of guys that I see that have his skill set, what he can do. 
What do you guys say to that? I want to applaud you, Jeff, because you are quite possibly the only person I know who could watch a guy sit on the bench for an entire year. <laughs> for the New York Knicks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm not going to go I'm not going to go too long on this because I've slandered him in every corner of the internet. Um, I think he is one of the most useless players on a team like the New York Knicks. You put him somewhere else, I guess. But again, you're going to have a hard time telling me that you know the guy that's on the bench for an entire season has the most potential. Um, I like to think of it in terms of ceiling too. I don't. I really don't think that Trier will ever be a starter. I think he levels. He he, he tops off as a six man. And that's like on a not great team. I don't know. Chip, do you disagree? No, I don't disagree with you. I think uh, RJ has the second most potential. And I, I don't think Frank is far or uh, quite as far ahead of Trier as a lot of us would like to think he is. But I think he is ahead of Trier. Um, if he ever passed the ball on a fast break, you can find me one clip of him passing the ball on a fast break. I first off, break. first off, I definitely can find you a clip of that. <laughs> um, however, however, if we were talking about last season, you would you would probably be right. Yeah, I know there was that whole Timmy thing where you know Hardaway got mad at him. Whatever, uh, Tim Hardaway, eh, you can miss me with that. If if that was our leader <laughs> that uh, Trier supposedly upset. Um, I'm fine with it, but um, yeah, man. Listen, I, I I just I think very very highly of this dude. I get that I'm in the minority, but um, it is the hill I am willing to perish, uh, die of starvation and lack of water. I will. You will find you will find my bones on Trier Island, and that is where I will remain for the rest of my days. Badass. I like it. Chip, <laughs> go ahead. I, just because I'm only so anxious, I just got to hear what you've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I mean, you guys know Chris Paul is one of my favorite players. So oh. I had to be out there. I, I love him, and I feel like this isn't even a hot take to say, but I guess some people wouldn't agree with me. My take is Chris Paul is one of the five greatest point guards of all time. Um, I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer, locked. he's 10-time All-Star, 9-time All-Defense, uh, Rookie of the Year, 8-time All-NBA, 6-time Steals Champ, which is crazy that he led the league and steals that many times. Uh, he's I'm looking at his advanced stats, too. He's uh, third in Fox Plus Minus behind uh, Jordan and LeBron are the only people he's behind, which wow. is crazy. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, his numbers are fucking insane. Like, he's, his win shares per 48 are crazy, and he has a, ne- a positive net rating in every single season of his career, except his rookie year. That's insane. <laughs> like, absolutely cr- His teams have been better with him on the floor Every single year of his career, except his rookie year. And his rookie year, his net rating was negative 0.6. So barely negative. Like, it's his numbers are absolutely insane. And the only reason I know that he's not uh, consensusly considered that high is because he didn't have a ring. I get it. He's hasn't had great success in the playoffs. But, look, I've... Just based on, as a Carmelo Anthony fan, I'm not a huge fan of the rings are everything argument. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. I make no uh, uh, arguments about that. I love Chris Paul. So, I think he is a top five point guard. And also, I never saw fucking Jerry West or Oscar Robertson play. So, I have no <laughs> argument to put that. I'm not saying that he's ahead of them. I don't know if he is off the top of my head. But... Uh, look, I just think he's up there. I really do. I and the people that think that like he's not a Hall of Famer, he doesn't hasn't won a ring. Oh, that's a joke. Crazy. It's a joke. Like it's that's insane. Like come on, one of the, he's one of the five greatest point guards of all time. I that's so, my that's my take there. 
I Jeff, think you can or you can't give us your top five point guards of all time right now to help validate your point. I think I yeah I can Magic, uh, Curry, Chris Paul, Stockton, and I'm gonna say Isaiah. Hmm. It does, does uh? Why? What was? Who was left? Who was left off? Wherever Chip Murphy goes, he just leaves a trail of flames behind him. Where, who was <laughs> left off? Who was left off? I don't even know who was left off. I don't. I don't know who's left off. I think the average person wouldn't have Thomas in the in the top five. I mean, Zeke. I don't know, dude. I. I. I mean, Zeke was good. I don't know about top five. And again. There's obviously always going to be an argument that Paul isn't. I'm going to agree with Chip on this one. I think there's no greater testament to the brilliance that is his gameplay than what he's done with the Thunder this season. Of course. I hope we get a postseason because right now, let's see, the Thunder, the fifth seed, so that means they play the Jazz. I think they take that series. Uh, And Quinn Snyder Snyder gets fired. (laughs) Exactly. Look at Everything comes Quinn Snyder gets fired. Wait, so hold up. For Chris Paul. With the with the top five, what about um? I, I'm gonna defer Chris to you guys. Played on the Knicks. Do you have any idea how happy I would be if Chris Paul played for the fucking Knicks? That would be pretty amazing. <laughs> so bad. There's a lot of sense to that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But how about this? Top five. Um, what about love for our? For uh, Clyde. Yeah. You I want to say Tom. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say Steve Nash over. Oh, God. Yeah, Nash has <laughs> to be, Nash has to be in there. Um, I love Steve Nash. But, I love Steve Nash. But I, dude, this is, this is my, this is my thing on Chris Paul. First off, I absolutely love him as well. Um, we're all in agreement there. This is, this is my, my thing on him. And I, I, this is probably my favorite part of his game. One of the very few players, and if you've ever played um, playground ball, you know, typically when you get mad, you don't play well. It just fucks up your game. The emotions get all involved in it. You, you, you know, you get someone gets in your head. Dude, this guy plays amazing mad, and he gets in your head, and you can't get in his head. And he's probably one of the ballsiest players I've ever seen in terms of just knowing the game. Um, like remember when he was like one of the first guys to try and, um, get guys to foul him at the, at the half court line and then shoot the ball. Like, like he, he's very, he's just like extremely smart, a little bit of an asshole, but in a good way, I'm sure that doesn't always go over great in the locker room, but whatever. Um, I like that take. I think when all is said and done, he's gotta be up there. Um, I think when we start talking, Nash, Curry, Stockton, Clyde, Magic, Zeke. It's going to be tough to jockey for places up there. But, man, if, if you're going to have a top point guard list, I mean, Chris Paul has to be on it. Like, no questions asked. Are we ready for yeah. Colin Loring's last <laughs> hot take? It's funny, man, because, like, I still don't even know what's about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like six left, and I'm just swirling around, and I'm like, what's best for the brand? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to hit you guys with one. This is certainly probably my hottest take. Uh, taking, taking pleasure in the silence. Uh, whether the NBA season resumes and we have playoffs – or not, this season, well, based upon that, this season is make or break for James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Oh, boy. James Harden, if they do not make it to at least the Western Conference Finals, will not be on the Houston Rockets next season. He will be gone. Wow. As well as D'Antoni. They're going to clean house. So I'm going to admit... Before this, before this pod, I cheated a little bit, 
I saw a comment that one of our guys, Matt Brooks, made on an article that Colin just wrote. I read the story. It was very well written. And so I saw this take at the end of it. And I thought it was it was hot. I thought it was scalding. I'm not going to lie. I started to kind of think about it a little bit. I think it's crazy. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's crazy. I think the odds of James Harden not being on the Rockets next year. I mean, if you wanted to take if you wanted to take a bet on this in Vegas and you had some money to play around with and you were like, you know what, if I hit this big, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I, I would do it. Why not? I think the odds on, on him not being there are slim. Um, but wow, I mean, James Harden not on the Rockets. I mean, if you – my only thing, Colin, with this is like this is Daryl Morey's like – crown jewel like Daryl Morey has committed his everything to analytics um Moneyball everything around Harden uh playing PJ Tucker at the five nothing that they want to do as a franchise for me personally works or is even conceivable without James Harden on that team or even as Mike D'Antoni as the coach I mean like maybe you could fill another coach in there and and see like okay can we get an, another guy, maybe like a Gentry or I don't know, someone who, who really understands spacing, maybe Bud, I don't know. But like without Harden, man, that entire I – don't, I don't even know where you would go after that. That would be basically saying that we're, I feel like you're, you're rebuilding unless you get something in return for him. And how many draft picks do they – like have they gave away going forward? But I mean, damn, if that happened – it would be the wildest shit ever. I will give you that. How do you replenish such a hole of draft picks than trading away your best asset? Ooh, Colin. Very, very nice. I'll give you that, man. I'll give you it that. It just makes a lot of sense in a very misconstrued way, which is how my mind works. But <laughs> um, I'm going to take two seconds just to make my argument. Jeff's got at least half of it because he read my article today. But I've, I'm trying to think in the last year, who's made more questionable decisions than the Houston Rockets? Um, it started with the Chris Paul trade, and it ends with the Clint Capella trade. I understand he was, like, on a big pay. You know, he, he was getting paid a lot of money, but Clint Capella's also really good. <laughs> I'm big on the Clint Capella train. Side note, I think him and Trey are going to be amazing, but... They traded Chris Paul, the person, the player, who prevented them from making the NBA Finals. Not because he was on the opposing team, because he was on their team and couldn't suit up. And then they traded Clint Capella, and they went all in on this small ball five. Harden can't throw lobs to P.J. Tucker. He's 6'5". I don't, in my mind, that strikes notes of urgency. I think they know where Harden's head is at. And if they let go of Tony, maybe he makes it one more season. But D'Antoni leaving will be the first domino to fall if a couple haven't fallen already. Okay. I disagree with you about the Pelletrade. I think that was the right move because Westbrook took off that trade and they needed to make it uh to open him up and he was amazing after they made that move um it looked like it was starting to fall apart towards uh uh, i guess whatever the end the suspension of the season they weren't playing as well but we don't know what would happen come playoff time uh they may have added someone in the buyout market they may have tried to go back more towards the center but westbrook and capella together was terrible the Chris Paul Westbrook trade was a disaster for them. That was a horrible move. You're right, exactly, completely. But are you bringing this up? The hard thing is this about the owner being broke and everybody calling him like a con man and saying he needs to sell the team, or is this just about not even remotely related? Okay, because I, I think that I think that Antoni's gone. I think Daryl's gone. So I don't think Daryl having an attachment to Harden is even going to matter because I don't think he's going to be with the team next. Wow. Uh, because D'Antoni and 
Maureen's contracts are both up this year. Mm. So I think they're both gone because this owner doesn't want to pay anybody. And D'Antoni and Maury are going to obviously be two of the highest paid coaches and executives in the NBA. And this guy doesn't have the money and he won't let any partners come in and invest with them. So he's going to go get a cheap coach and a cheap general manager. And shit, wow, could you imagine trading James Harden? But I mean, look, there's no Daryl Morey there to keep him. Bounty with a capital B. I mean, yeah, you get a lot for him. But shit, man, the 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 Nuggets got a lot for Carmelo Anthony, and they still missed the playoffs for how many straight years until they got Jokic? So lived in the playoffs for like the last decade. I don't think they're worried about it. I think they're. I think if you ask a Rockets fan if they were going to trade James Harden and get four first round picks, I think they'd say, "I want to keep James Harden." Don't you? And that's why a Rockets fan will never run the office, and that's why they're a fan <laughs> watching from the sideline. Yeah, I'm just saying. If everyone had their way, I would have given Carmelo Anthony another max extension, like last season while he was off the court and at home. That's if everyone (laughs) – all right? The NBA would be a way different place. I'm with Jeff in the fact that I think that if they do trade hard and it's not a move that bridges to more competition, I think that it's a full-on rebuild. But I think – and you bring it in and I – I admittedly don't know much about this situation with the owner and him being cheap. I've, I've read plenty about it, but never in depth. But if you bring that into account and it's and it's what its face value says it is, then I don't see why not. I mean, D'Antoni and, and Maury, one of them will not be there next year, if not both, um, because they are gonna. Those guys are gonna need a lot of money to stay. Uh, I don't know how many years D'Antoni will coach more. I mean, where are we at on that? Yeah, he's older. Yeah, he, he might retire. You're right. Yeah. So I know the owner gets furloughed. Thousands of his employees. Wow. I read like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think if, if they trade James Harden, it's it's a rebuild type situation where maybe the next year, two two years, they make the playoffs by, you know, the grace of God, i.e. Russell Westbrook's unarguable greatness. Uh, Don't you think he's going to say, fuck you, I'm out of here, and ask for a trade if they trade Harden? Yeah, I think Westbrook will have to spend a season, though. Uh, I think you trade. You don't trade Harden and Westbrook in the same summer. That's just that's a Herculean level change. <laughs> I guess. I guess he can't force his way out with that contract, right? He can't. Might be no. tough. So yeah. I think like a Kevin. I think ultimately Westbrook spends another season or two in the wake of Harden's whatever he's left oh. behind. Uh, oh, and then poor Rob, man, that would suck. He's that got less suck. Years this contract. I mean, he forced his way to Houston. What the. But did he really force his way to He had a good situation in OKC, man. He had a good situation. Yeah, but Paul George forced his way out first. I mean, Russ is the man, though. He owns that city. He's been everywhere. He's been up and down the totem. Yeah, but Russ fucking blood, sweat, and tears in Oklahoma before he eventually left. He he earned the right to do what he did. Yeah, to me, he's kind of like a KG. Like I feel like uh, like a like a KG in the sense that like I feel like he earned he earned the right to leave you know I, I mean he, yeah but they asked him where he wanted to go and he said Houston and I can think of five yeah, teams would have been better yeah true so that's where I stand now I'm gonna ride it uh, I want to see the next Rockets postseason but I think that will dictate James Harden's future with the franchise. I mean, I think uh, that is a great place to end the show. I, I mean, uh, that is a that is a very, very, very hot, hot, hot take for sure. Um, sad part about it is, man, I, I wish we had games to watch so that we could actually see and track uh, where you know these takes go. Um, the video of the turtle with the basketball. I've been like watching that on a loop. I did see that. Uh, who? Yo, you know who it was? Zach had something pretty funny to say. He was like. Turtle or D'Angelo Russell on a fast break or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was was pretty good. Um, But I think that'll do it for us. Um, Yeah, those takes are definitely interesting for sure. This has definitely been one of my funnest, uh, I think our funnest pods to tape. Um, I had a lot of fun researching these for sure. 
and trying to come up with some that are a little out of the realm and then trying to justify them. Um, but we'll see. I'm sure we'll hold each other accountable on this and uh, rag on each other on Twitter relentlessly if they're wrong. So um, <laughs> that's the only way you can with stuff like this. But uh, Colin, man, as always, thanks for coming on. Me and Chip always love doing this with you. Uh, we hope you stay sel- safe and healthy. And um, we look forward to doing this again and talking to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you guys know where to find me. I obviously don't have a lot going on right now. So uh, thanks thanks for giving me a reason to set my alarm clock last night. Always, man, definitely. And uh, for everyone else, we will see you next week. Enjoy, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.